Hello, it is Thursday, April 29th. I am Trent Reinsmith, and this is another edition of the Daily Come On Now uh, MMA podcast. First topic today is uh, Drakkar Close. So if you recall, recently Close was supposed to fight Jeremy Stevens. It was a co-main event. And in the lead up to the fight, actually after the weigh-in, Close was... I mean, I'm going to assume uh, Stevens was in the same shape. Dehydrated. Um, it was coming off the, the weigh-in, the face-off at the weigh-in, after the weigh-in, and Stevens shoved close pretty hard, gave him kind of a whiplash effect, which resulted in close getting a, a neck injury, but, but worse than that, a con- concussion, um, which I'm going to assume had a lot to do with him being depleted of fluids. And the end result was he was out of the fight. The UFC, after some back and forth, decided that it would pay close his show money. No information on Stevens and not his win and also his um, outfitting pay. He would he would get that as well. But, you know, lost the fight. Not lost the fight, but the fight was canceled. And... Now Close is dealing with the after effects of a concussion and a neck injury. Doesn't know when he's going to be back. After after it happened, UFC President Dana White, who was not at the event, said, well, he, ba- he more or less blamed Sean Shelby for it happening, um, which is ridiculous because Sean Shelby, while he might be there to break things up, is not there to prevent someone from doing something stupid. Uh, the contract says you fight on Saturday, not you have the right to lay your hands on your opponent on Friday and risk losing your pay. But that's what Stevens did. And not only did White blame Shelby for it happening, which stupid, he then kind of praised Stevens, if, if that's the right word, praised Stevens and said that it was a savage move. Um, and that Stevens is a savage. I mean, if being unable to control your emotions enough to be a professional is a positive, well, okay, it's not. It shows you're a knucklehead and that you have some kind of issue that you you need to show your ass like that. I mean, Jeremy Stevens has a history of dumb behavior. We'll leave it at that. You can research that if you want. But it's not the first time Jeremy Stevens has done something stupid. Uh, Close does not share Dana White's opinion of Jeremy Stevens, which is a shock, isn't it? You know. Anyway, here's what Close had to say. According to Dana White, that's a savage movie. Did I had seen some interview when he was talking like Jeremy's a savage? No, that's a bitch move. I believe I should have gotten paid both win and show money. I came, I was being professional, and I did everything possible. He effed it up, not me. I like Sean Shelby. It wasn't his fault. We signed a contract and we're professionals. Act professional. It sucks. I came. I was professional and I got injured on the job. All I know is any other sport, if they do something like that, they either get fined or suspended. So it just sets a bad example for everyone else. But I signed a contract to fight that Saturday, not Friday. I was at my weakest point cutting weight and that was a cheap shot. I had my hands behind my back. Dude, that's something you do when you're afraid do cheap shots and that's what I feel he did I'm going to take uh, close aside here 100% Um, 
you're not going to intimidate another professional fighter by shoving him. You're not. It's it's just stupid. And if you think that, then you're 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 not too bright. Um, they've already signed a contract to fight you in a cage, stripped to the waist. The idea that you can in intimidate someone the day before by shoving them is ridiculous. It does set a bad example. It sets a worse example when there is no reaction from the UFC or the Nevada State Athletic Commission. We know Dana White loves him some Jeremy Stevens. Stevens got arrested uh, at some show years ago before an event, and White swore up and down that he was going to bail Stevens out and that he was going to fight. He didn't. Stevens pleaded guilty to a lesser charge, got time served, but he did plead guilty, and it was uh, from the, you can look it up, uh, from what I remember is there was a pretty savage beating, and, and Stevens and another man were accused of that, but pleaded it down and got time served, but come on. So yeah, uh, I've asked Nevada State Athletic Commission and the UFC if there's going to be any repercussions for Stevens, neither replied to me. And from the UFC standpoint, I don't think there is because we know there's favoritism in the UFC and we know Dana White loves Jeremy Stevens, like I said. So to think that Stevens is going to be punished by the UFC is a long shot. I'd say it's a no shot. It's not going to happen because it hasn't happened yet. So Close is left out here just unable to fight, unable to train probably. And... Stevens gets no punishment, which now the example is if you can put your hands on your opponent before whoever's hosting the stare-downs can intervene, you're all good. Now, we know that's not always true because when John Jones and Daniel Cormier got into it in, in Vegas, both men got uh, fined, I think. And I think Jones, if who was probably the instigator, was uh, dealt with more harshly. Close did nothing here, and Stevens has been dealt with by doing nothing. There's still a chance the commission can do something at a at a monthly meeting. I'm not going to count on it. I'm going to follow up on it, and I think it should. I think at the very least, Stevens should be suspended and fined. Uh, if the UFC wants to set an example and use Stevens as an example, they can release him because he's on a four-fight losing streak if, streak, if I remember if I remember, and he's really not going to, I mean, he, he's not someone that the UFC needs to keep around. So if you want to send a message, you release him and say he's been released for these reasons. Uh, you say it took so long because an investigation was going on, and then you move on. That's the right thing to do. The wrong thing to do is to blame Sean Shelby and then do nothing but kind of praise Stevens, which is what Dana White is has done, and it's just a bad, bad look, but I don't think Dana White really gives a shit about how he looks. Speaking about how things look, the Endeavor uh, CEO, I believe he is, Ari Emanuel, gave a presentation where he was going over um, the IPO of Endeavor, and he missed... He just flubbed the name of the of the now former um, strawweight champion, Wheelie Zhang, and he, in her place, in that name's place, he named um, a former woman's retired tennis pro. And what this says to me is that 
There's very few UFC fighters who are champions. There's very few UFC fighters who are champions and fought at UFC 261 and lost their belt. There's one, one of those. And there's all, there was also one Chinese UFC fighter who was a champion, and that was Wiley Zhang. And so to get prepped for this meeting or whatever, this video that he did, and not know that fighter's name who had just fought on Saturday is a big, big sign, I think, to, to the UFC fighters. So if you're a UFC fighter and a champion who had just lost her title on Saturday, if the, if the head honcho doesn't remember your name, what if you're a, a prelim guy or someone who's been with the UFC for years and has never got above mid-main mid, uh, mid card? You think this guy knows who you are? Nope. And so the message is that you're not even the product the UFC is selling at this point. The product is the UFC brand. The product is Dana White. The product is three letters, UFC. Now you're just, and if you thought this was not the case, now you know it is the case. You're just the machinery that generates the UFC, that generates the product. So when you break down, just like any other piece of machinery in a business, when you break down and they can't tape you up and fix you up and put you back in without replacing you, well, then they go to the shop, they get a new one, they put that piece of machinery in, and they toss the old piece of machinery, which is the fighter. So you're not even, a, you're not even the product. You're not even the product. You're the part. You're the disposable part that gets tossed to the side. UFC doesn't care about the fighters. UFC cares about UFC brand, Dana White, 80-20 fighters, 80-20 profit split, 80 going to the UFC and making money and putting on events for the, for ESPN. So as long as the 42 events can be satisfied every year per the contract, as long as 10 to 13, 14 to 15 fights can happen every week, that there's an event scheduled, as long as there's some champions to roll out there, then that's all the UFC cares about. So again, if the guy who owns the business doesn't know a champion's name on the day that the business is being uh, rolled out in an IPO, then it doesn't know, he doesn't know the guy or the, or the woman who's fighting on the mid card, I bet, you know, there's probably the fights that are happening this weekend, which are not too, uh, the card's not fantastic, but how many fighters do you think that Ari Emanuel knows on that card? Zero? Probably. So don't think you're something special. Don't think the UFC wants to take care of you. The UFC just wants to make money off your blood and then they'll throw you away. So keep that in mind. Keep what happened today in mind. Get the most money you can and get out when you can because the UFC will ride you as long as it can until the money until the money stops and then it'll throw you to the side. No pension, no health insurance, no real future and it won't even think twice about that. It won't. So it was a good reminder. It's something I've been saying but it was a good reminder to the fighters that they don't matter.
so John Jones split with his management company, um, Malki Kawa, been with him, I think it was 11 years. And for some reason, people seem to think that uh, Ali Abdelaziz would be a good manager for John Jones. And I don't know where this comes from. And I don't know where the idea that Ali Abdelaziz is a good manager comes from. Yes, he gets his fighters a lot of de a lot of fights. Yes, he um, is prominent in the MMA world, but that doesn't make a good manager. Um, here's a quote from him. From uh, MMA Junkie gave him a lot of space to praise himself. I never left the table at a UFC negotiation when I see right there. I was not happy. That's the quote. I never left the table at a UFC negotiation when I was not happy. Well, if you're a manager, I should not be your focus. Your client should be your focus. So how many times did Abdelaziz leave the table when his client was not happy? We don't know. Uh, we do know that uh, he seems to have an affinity for tweeting for, for his clients, which he does often. And we don't know that. We don't know because his clients don't really speak up um, other than to praise him, which I'm, you never know if it's him doing the tweeting or the client. Uh, so I don't know if they're happy because I don't believe a lot of the things Ali Abdelaziz says. And one reason I don't believe a lot of the things Ali Abdelaziz says is that when the antitrust lawsuit was, roll, was getting rolling, Abdelaziz, I think that's when this was, Abdelaziz took the side of the UFC on not releasing fighter pay, saying that to release fighter pay to the public would risk the fighters uh, of violence and kidnapping and uh, things like that, which is ridiculous because every other sport, every other professional sport releases their athletes' pay. And that's the reason for that is when the pay is known, athletes can negotiate better and higher rates. And that's a proven fact that once those uh, rates were, the pay rates were released, pay increased exponentially. It just happened. It's That's a fact. Because then the best, best athletes can see what the other best athletes are making, and then negotiation starts from there, not from what they, what from, not from what the team or the lawyer says the other people are making. You know for a fact what the other people are making. So the fact that the a manager who is supposed to represent his fighters went out on a limb and said, no, 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 we don't need to know what the pay is, tells me that Abdelaziz is uh, a little too close to management. And I don't really care that he's happy. He gets his 10, 20, whatever percent, no matter what's negotiated. He's not out there fighting. He's not out there bleeding. He's not out there taking brain injuries. He's just getting his blood money. And if he's happy with what the fighter got, who gives a shit? Who cares? Do you care if Ali Abdelaziz is happy? No. I care if this fighter's happy. I care that the fighter's making as, most, as much money as possible. And I don't believe for a minute that Abdelaziz cares about that. If I recall, and this just popped in my head, Henry Cejudo took a pay cut or something like that to fight for the title. Who does that? Who agrees to a lower wage to fight for a title? That's ridiculous. Abdelaziz is far too cozy with the UFC, far too cozy with Dana White. 
to to be a good manager. And I don't I don't if I was a fighter, he would be the last person I picked to be my manager. I don't trust him. There's nothing he's done that says to me great manager. He he just seems way too happy with with the UFC and with what he can get from the UFC. And I say he meaning what he can get from the UFC, not what his fighters can get. So if I'm John Jones, I'm staying as far away from Ab- Ali Abdelaziz as humanly possible. I, I'm, I feel Jones is better off representing himself because if he doesn't have to give Abdelaziz or whoever 10 to 20% of his pay, which he shouldn't be giving them any more than 10% to begin with, then that's money he can figure in the negotiations that he can he can say, all right, if I'm not giving my manager 10%, then I can either take that down in my negotiations or use it use it as a buffer in negotiations. Because the reality is the UFC is going to give you what it's going to give you with a manager or without. The managers in the M- M- MMA are really only there, in my mind, to negotiate outside deals. UFC knows what it's going to pay you. It's, it, it becomes a take-it-or-leave-it situation at a point. You can negotiate that yourself. So the idea that Ali Abdelaziz is a great manager is a farce t- to me, and he's shown me nothing that may- would make me believe that. He's shown me something that would make me believe that I'm correct in this assessment and that he said that that the pay didn't need to be disclosed and took the side of the UFC in a, in a lawsuit. How does that help his clients? It doesn't. It only hurts them. So if John Jones is a smart man, He'll stay away from Ali Abdelaziz. He probably knows that. I hope he knows that. And I think the people that are saying that he should go with Ali Abdelaziz, maybe they really hate John Jones and want to see him get ripped off. I don't know. Conor McGregor showed how petty he is when he um, didn't... He, he allegedly has given um, Boys and Girls Club of uh, uh, um, somewhere near where... Dustin Poirier lives $500,000. But I'm going to read this to you from the story, and this is something I think people are missing. Uh, Boys and and Girls Club of Academia, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that, received an unexpected call last week and are humbled to share that Conor McGregor is donating $500,000 to South Louisiana by supporting our upcoming summer camp. Isn't that the same call that Dustin Poirier got, that Conor McGregor is going to donate $500,000 to, to Poirier's uh, foundation. Not that he did, that he is. Now, I'm not saying that McGregor's not going to do this, but I am saying that McGregor told Poirier, his team told Poirier that they were going to donate $500,000 and they didn't. So, come on. If I'm the Boys and Girls Club here, I'm, uh, I'm not believing the checks in the mail. I want that money wire transferred within hours of that promise. So this is something, I'm, and I'm kind of joking, but not, because he did it to Poye, so why wouldn't he do it to these folks? It could happen. So when this, when this donation goes through, I'll feel much better. Um, but the petty move was by, was, was by passing by Poye's uh, foundation and going direct to the Boys and Girls Club. And for Poye's part, he handled it much better. He was the bigger man about this, which good for him. 
He said that it didn't matter. The kids were the the, the goal ahead was always that to get the money in the hand, not in the hands, but to get the money to the kids, and that's what happened. Allegedly, that's what's going to happen, I should say. And so, as long as the end result happens, Poye is happy. Which bigger man? So he showed himself again that he is a much better person than Conor McGregor, a much bigger person than Conor McGregor, and he doesn't have time for petty things like this or. Uh, the other petty thing McGregor did recently was buy that pub where he punched that dude in the face and banned the guy that he hit. So McGregor is a child, uh, and and that's fine, but don't buy into this thing that he's a good person just because he donated. He donated this because he didn't donate to, or he allegedly donated this because he didn't donate to Poye. He's made promises and not he made a promise there and didn't follow through and then he passed Poye by to get all the glory for himself it's a little man tiny little man could be a better person but he's shown us who he is and it's not good it's not funny it's not cute it's petty it's small it's shallow and it's uh it's Conor McGregor so just keep that in mind before you start praising Conor McGregor for his uh, goodness and donations. Because we don't know if he donated yet. Could be uh, another situation like the Poirier situation. And on that note, I will end it for today. And until next time, everyone, stay safe. <laughs>